Welcome to the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast, a little show about the creative conversations and stories that matter the most to today's up-and-coming writers, artists, innovators, and creators all around the world. I'm Jody Aberdeen. And welcome to episode five of the Ghostwriter and Pups journaling series. This is day five. It's Friday, May 15th, 2020. How you doing? <laughs> if you haven't tuned into any of the others, what these episodes are is I am reinstating my daily practice of journaling, which is to say I am handwriting one entry a day, lasting no more than a page on an 8x10 ruled journal, in an 8x10 ruled journal. And what I'm doing is I'm just writing out these journals and sharing some of the insights that come from the process. If you yourself are thinking about journaling and can't really see any value to it, uh, hopefully this will give you something. Otherwise, the insights that come out in these journals, as I've been finding through over this week, relate a lot to the writing process to what I do as a ghostwriter and may be able to help you on some other things as well. One of the things I have found over this week is that I am not very easily contained in a niche. I know that that is the thing that we are encouraged to do increasingly, um, especially over the last uh, little while, few years of entrepreneurship is to pick one specific audience out of 7 billion people and speak only to them. I think that happens anyway, and I think that if you are any type of renaissance person, that is, you have a multitude of interests, you may find yourself in your unable to kind of squeeze into a box. And the thing about journaling is that this is a time when you can be free to express yourself. So without further ado, here is the first, here is the entry for today, Friday, May 15th. It's raining out. Nice, warm spring rain. Hopeful. The province announced that the first phase of quarantine reopenings will begin this long Victoria Day weekend. Retailers, parks, trails, and so on. There are still distancing measures in place for those businesses and places, but I'll take it. The data shows that the majority of the population has been good at managing ourselves through this crisis, and the curve is flattening here. Still, it is a crapshoot to see what happens next. Anyway, I didn't even want to journal this much about this, and now I'm already a third of the way through the page. Ha! Now that I've said that, I don't know where I want to go next. When I got up this morning and made my coffee, I had my first cup sitting outside under the awning, watching and listening to the rain and the morning birds. It occurred to me that I've spent the vast majority of my life alone, but for the 11 year time when I was with my big ex, I was usually wrapped up in a book for those, you know, a book or three dozen during most of my schooling and high school time. And ever after with my divorce, I've just been out in life, uh, spending time alone. The two periods of solitude are connected in a way that I'm only seeing now. As a kid, I was interested in nearly everything about life, 
science, history, UFOs, mountains, painting, Aztecs, Incas, astronomy, quantum physics, commerce, lucid dreaming, baseball, the military, anything you can imagine. <laughs> Sorry, I keep losing my page. I'm going to have to read with my finger, just sort of pointing. I, d I didn't discriminate. That first time gave me the ability to hold many mutually exclusive ideas and beliefs in my awareness at the same time. In this polarized and polarizing era, when everyone is being encouraged to lose themselves to one ideology or another, to pick a team and stick with them, right or wrong, I'm able to stand out here in a field waiting for them. Okay, so first things first. <laughs> my handwriting's actually gotten worse, I think. <laughs> I keep losing my spot on the page. I'm writing uh, every single line. Um, and as everyone kind of does when you're handwriting something, there's lots of scribbles, you know, just crossing out things that you didn't mean to say. It's like, it throws me off. <laughs> I don't think I've actually read using my finger as a guide since I was like in grade six, but whatever. <laughs> All right, so there's that. Um, yeah, it's just, it. this came up uh, after yesterday's um, presentation I did for the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, when uh, for that group, every member gets to share, do a presentation on what it is that they do for a living and how they help people and their clients, right? And with the ghostwriting, when I was when I was defining what sets me apart, I found that my wide range of interests gives me versatility, such that I can't specialize. I mean, I can, but it gets boring after a while. You end up kind of. Uh, I'll give an example. Have you noticed that so much self help is essentially the same stuff regurgitated over and over again? Uh. The books tend to become formulaic. The outlines tend to involve the same topics. For me, I tend to be approached by the window shoppers. These are the folks that are curious about hiring a ghostwriter, but they're not ready yet. And they're not, obviously they're not my clients. Um, and what they usually want is some derivative of Think and Grow Rich or Awaken the Giant Within or The Secret basically the, the the big hits they don't want to tell their own story and then you get this double speak thing that i've noticed is everywhere it's where you know you're saying that you're not doing this thing while you're doing it and what the double speak for self-help books sounds like is this i want to tell my own story but i want to do and, and they're saying that and i want to be original I want to stand out from the crowd and what they end up doing is the way that they want to stand out is by they, you know, they, they'll tell me that they want to stand out and then they'll give me the outline that they want. And it looks exactly like something uh, that Napoleon Hill would have done. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I mean, it's part of my job as a professional writer to educate. Um, and I've done that. More often than not, though, when I tell them that you don't need to follow the templated approach, they'll the other bits of training and indoctrination that they've had will kick in where they've maybe taken an online course by somebody who says you have to template everything and then they'll tell me well this is the template that works and i want to make money it's like okay but like five minutes ago you said you want to be original yes 
Well, do you know that being original is the thing that's going to make you money? You don't need to try to play the game. Oh, but the template has been works. It works for people like T. Harv Eker and whatnot, right? So it's just it's it's just really interesting. They uh, anyway, there's a lot of double speak around. <laughs> Uh, where was I? This is a bit of a tangent. You see, this is the, let's talk about tangents. Tangents in journaling are amazing. There's a process called proprioceptive writing that is all that is based on tangents. It's where you write and write and write. And then when you come to a word or a sentence or a, an expression that you've written and you realize that you aren't quite sure, you've just been saying it without knowing what it means or really defining it, you then deliberately circle that word or that sentence. And the very next thing you write is, what do I mean by this? And then you delve deeper into that. A bit like Inception, you kind of just go multiple levels deeper into the analysis. And before you know it, you haven't, you've journaled well far away from where you started from, which is always some of the best journaling you could find. And so, uh, you know, but my single-mindedness here of trying to fit this very podcast into a, into a box is uh, is kind of got me thinking you know stigmatizing the tangent a bit to be fair if you're looking for a how-to yes i want clear answers we got so much nonsense I, there's times where you just want clarity so it makes sense to be purposeful in that context but if you're just kind of journaling just to kind of explore you should let the tangents happen uh other insights from this yes the holding of multiple multiple conflicting ideas at once so here, here's what that looks like it's, it's called a, being a they used to call it being a renaissance man something that they attributed to, to leonardo da vinci if you study his life he did everything in every sphere every subject everything you can imagine um pretty sure and i need to fact check this i'm pretty sure he's largely responsible for the liberal arts degree um the the origin of that where you study things like rhetoric and art and science where, where once upon a time before we specialized everything all these different things about life were studied at once and they were connected um one of my early readings during the solitary time that i talked about right the when i was a kid was zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance by robert persick and i talk about that a lot for the very reason that you know what i gotta reread that book it's been years now that i say it he had mentioned at one point, um, <laughs> it's a scene where, so the, the story of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance is, is this. There's a father who has amnesia and he works doing technical manuals at a factory, but he loves motorcycles and he has a son that he's estranged from. And they decide to, I guess, to mend their relationship by taking a motorcycle trip to the West Coast from, uh, from Minnesota, I think is where they set out from. And part of the trip was that he's retracing the steps of his previous life before he had electroshock therapy that had wiped out much of his own direct memory of who he had been, which was a professor of philosophy at Bozeman College in, uh, in Montana. Um, that's not correct, I'm sure, but uh, yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. At one point, he met up with some f old friends that he knew in his previous that previous career and, and part of his life that he'd forgotten about. He's trying to, again, re retrace his steps. And they were talking about assembling a barbecue of all things. 
And then he found himself explaining that barbecue assembly is a form of sculpture. So I'm a kid reading this, and I was very artsy as a kid. Uh, I didn't really like the grime and grit of like machines and factories and cars and stuff. I mean, it was fascinating to some degree, but I didn't, you know, my poor father, I think he tried to get me to do work on the cars and I, I wasn't as interested as I am now. Um, but uh, I just remember thinking that kind of reading that book kind of connected something for me because it's like, you're saying that the same practice of basically making like a clay pot or something and being all fancy with it is the same practice as putting together like a little coal barbecue and with the way that he kind of talked about it was yeah if you trace it back well beyond you know um yes it's actually beyond da vinci back to the ancient greeks come to think of it you end up seeing that there everything was at one point together these subjects and topics that have now we, we've 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 separated and stratified in the society, such that if you're putting anything together, it's indistinguishable from an art form. Now, when you put it that way, it seems a lot more fun, right? Uh, trips to Home Depot suddenly become, <laughs> uh, you know, an exploration of um, possibility instead of just, oh man, you know. <laughs> What was it? I think it was Childish Gambino. He said, Donald, you know, Donald Glover had said in his stand-up, he's like, if you ever look forward to a trip for, to Home Depot, you know, kill your dreams because your childhood's over. <laughs> uh, and I think that's, yeah, I still have a bit of that. But now it's that concept from that book um, stuck with me. And I was reading this at a fairly impressionable age of like 15 or 16, um, going to going to school, you know, think, reading that book from the school library and then going to my classes and hearing some of the teachers talk and realizing, oh man, you guys are still suffering from that same kind of thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, no, I think it's good to hold conflicting ideas. My, my basis for everything is still evidence. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't always evidence. I used to believe quite a bit in things that have that there's no scientific evidence for, and I still do. But as we've seen, things like diseases returning that were taken down by inoculations and stuff, as we were, as we're seeing people thinking, just really in ways that are harmful to to, to vulnerable people, because they have a conspiracy mindset. I mean, I was I'm, I I was into conspiracies too. I still kind of am. There's a bunch of stuff out there. It's just that. My take on conspiracies is that it's very, frankly, the ones that you've heard of aren't the successful ones. <laughs> Why would they let you know? How do you know you're not being played by the conspiracy theorists? You know, um, the most successful conspiracies are the ones you never see. And so because you can't see them, there's no sense in worrying about them because there's nothing you can do. And so what you, what you can rely on is science as a dominant underlying structure of reality that is testable, that's replicable. You know, scientists specialize. You do need to sometimes go to school for many years to get to get qualified, but the fact is it's accessible. Science is accessible to anybody who wants to do it. You just have to be willing to commit a long time. And in this instant gratification age, if you're sitting at home watching a YouTube documentary, you might think that that's enough for you. 
when you it's easy, you know two hours of watching a YouTube documentary versus two years of working in an actual laboratory. Who does that, right? Which one are you going to pick? Anyway, that said, <laughs> yeah, there's still stuff out there, spiritual aspects of it. There's the parts of reality that we currently dismiss as pseudoscience that will, I'm pretty sure, will someday become science. And you see, I can hold those ideas in my head because I grew up reading everything at once. As a ghostwriter, that means that I'm versatile. As a person alive in this time, it does mean that I can't pick a team and I won't. I was on teams. I have been on teams before. I am on teams now that, um, you know, in terms of friends, for, you know, friendships and relationships, right? There's people that I'm loyal to, um, but there's no single idea that I'm overly attached to. And I think that's one thing. We don't know enough about the world in which we live to have an overabundance of certainty about anything. Even those scientific theories that form the bedrock of our society and our when we wake up in the morning and look at the rain are all subject to revision, provided you can provide sufficient evidence within a set of standards. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence before you can revise the entire theory. This doesn't mean you have to be one of the elite. This doesn't mean you have to be a... It's, this doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be a credited, an accredited scientist, but you, it does help to have an accredited scientist verify your claims. And... I think we're getting to the point where we're about to see some extraordinary evidence. <laughs> Until then, though, keep your wits about you. You know, just kind of focus on what you can, what you, what you know to do, which what is currently true. If anything, just to just to make sure that uh, other people don't get hurt. Anyway, <laughs> that's what I got. Uh, and again, speaking of tangents, that's where that tangent went to. So I'm going to end this because this is running longer than I thought. But if you want to, if you have a topic, or a journaling prompt you want me to explore, I'm going to keep this going for another week. I might not do one tomorrow. Then again, I might. I mean, weekends are just, they're all, they've always been social constructs, but now they feel like more of a social construct in the COVID age, and especially as a freelancer. That said, if you would like me to explore a particular topic as a journaling prompt, send me an email, jody at jodyaberdeen.com. And uh, yeah, I'd appreciate your feedback. If, uh, if share your journaling experiences, I want to hear them. What's it like for you? What, what, has un what have you uncovered from your journaling practice? Send me an email again, jody at jodyaberdeen.com. Anyway, thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a wonderful day, and um, maybe we'll see you tomorrow.